Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yalla Rocks episode 19 and today we're rocking the routine. If you've been listening to our episodes, you've heard mention a couple of times of a routine as some of our contributors talk about their origin stories in belly dance. Now, you may or may not be familiar with that phrase as it isn't something that's done nearly as often anymore. Our guest, Heather Wayman, joins us today to demystify the routine and you'll learn the routine's place both in our dance history as well as the ways that we can adapt it to our dance practices today. It's an excellent way to push you along in your practice if you're feeling a little stuck. In case you've been following along with the challenge or podcast but haven't checked out the bundle itself, I wanted to talk about what the bundle is and how your practice can benefit from it. The Belly Dance Bundle is a collection of classes from dancers on a wide variety of subjects. There are classes on technique, choreography, history, culture, plus there's even some music included. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard quite a bit about some of the courses and topics included, and you'll agree, they cover a wide swath of territory within a traditional belly dance practice. This bundle is curated to give you as much of a well-rounded practice as possible, bringing everything to the table so that you're supported no matter what you would like to work on next. And just like I aim to do with this podcast, it's a great mix of getting you on the dance floor and education. So if you're in a space where you can't necessarily dance, there are lectures and books to check out, but there's also plenty of dance-focused activities for the days that you're actually on the dance floor. So if you've been looking to get a little more practice into your days, you're going to want to check out the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle. It goes on sale in just two days on October 16th. That's the day after tomorrow, everybody. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at hello at thebellydancebundle.com. dancers and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host Tiffany and joining us today for one of our belly dance bundle minis is a dance teacher in Sela, Washington, the 2019 La Dance Live Music Champion, the professional cabaret star at Yahala Yall 2019, and of course the director of Belly Dance Geek, Heather Wayman. Hi Heather. Hi Tiffany, how's it going? I am doing well, how are you? I am great. It's a beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and we're going to talk belly dance. That's that's all we all want to do all day long anyway, right? Let's just right. talk belly dance. <laughs> awesome. So today, we're going to dive into the routine. But before we get into that, Heather, I read that you're a second-generation dancer. So usually I ask people how they got into dance, but I'm guessing that means you've been part of the dance scene since you were a kid. 
Well, you know, I'd had the, the, the ubiquitous little ballet lessons when I was in preschool and, and elementary school. And, um, and my aunt was a professional ballroom dancer, but I didn't start belly dance until way later. I think I was about 35 or 36. And uh, in a nutshell, I, I was taking ballet classes at a local community college in Southern California. And I injured myself a few times. And um, when we moved to Okinawa, Japan with my husband, who got stationed there uh, in the, with the Marine Corps, I couldn't find a ballet class. So I, I just happened upon a belly dance class. And that was that. <laughs> I never looked back. Um, so... It's really interesting, actually, talking to a bunch of the contributors on these mini podcasts. Um, a lot of people were ballet dancers or uh, some other type of dance got injured and then found their way into belly dance. That yeah, it's, it's a it common is, path. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm so happy and thankful for my ballet background because it helps. I think it helps with my carriage, but um, it is a very injurious dance form and belly dance, you know, rock sharky is so much easier on the body. Now, it's not to say that you can't get injured in rock sharky or, or um, any of the styles that we do because I've done that too. But <laughs> it, it's generally easier on the body, a lot more body friendly. Yeah, which is so great. So today we're going to talk about routines. And I think that routines just aren't as well known as they used to be. I think back in the 60s and the 70s especially, it was just something everybody did. It was just like a required part of a dance practice because that's what you would go and perform. But now, because we're more limited in our time sets, that's just not a thing that people kind of have the same mental space for. So Heather, can you kind of break down what a routine actually is? What are the parts of it? And so that we can talk about it with that base of knowledge going forward? Sure. Um, the 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 full routine, as we call it, um, it, it, there are differences between the AMCAB style and the Turkish style um, and the Egyptian style. The AMCAB and Turkish style generally tends to be a six-part routine, and the Egyptian style tends to be a seven-part routine. The, the, and, and I'm going back, these are all like the way it used to be. Things are a little bit different now. We have to shorten things up because U.S. audiences tend to have a shorter attention span than... Arab audiences for sure. Um, and we have shorter attention spans now than I think we did before the advent of social media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, smartphones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, with the, like, for instance, with the AMCAB um, routine, uh, you, you have your entrance and you also have it in the Egyptian routine as well. And then you have a, a, a that would be the high energy coming in, you know, saying hello, and I'm so glad you're here, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, it gets your audience kind of whipped up and ready, you know, for what you're getting ready to do. And then the second part is generally a veil section uh, or a toxim section in the case of the Egyptian routine. And this is where you, you bring that energy level down from, uh, you know, from the exciting, ah, kind of stuff to the slow, lyrical um, section of your routine. And then the third section would be, um, in AMCAD we call it, it's just the middle section. Um, and that would be like a medium to a medium fast um, part with a folkloric feel. So we're going to bring the energy level back up some. And, um, and then uh, in the Egyptian routine, that part would generally be a tarab piece. Um, so we get a little more feeling, you know, going in there. And then 
the fourth part of the AMCAB routine is generally shift the telly and that's going to be a really slow or uh, very slow with a snaky feel so again we're we're what you notice is that we're bringing the energy level up and we're kind of coming down and then we're going up again and down so we're um, I'm going to get into this in a second um, so we've got that slow part and then we want to bring it back up again with uh, the drum solo and that's going to be a higher energy piece as well as we all know um, and uh, and then we have the finale which is also another higher energy um, medium fast to fast part with a triumphant feeling you know it's like yeah I did it um, and in some cases I got to the end <laughs> I was about to say I made it to the end <laughs> right and uh, you know just kind of a way of, of going around and saying goodbye thank you for coming I'm so glad you were here moving back over I kind of went back and forth between the AMCAB and the Egyptian in the Egyptian we would have a folkloric piece uh, maybe a, a ballady progression um, again that's that's uh, a different level of energy there um, and um, you know just real like hey you know um, villagey kind of feel uh, mm -hmm. and audience participation too uh, yeah. that's something that's very very common in the Egyptian routine and I am cab also um, we, we pretty much want to do that at the end because I think we all know that if we get the audience participating at any point besides the end, you can't get them to sit down and your show's Especially over. Especially if they're drunk. <laughs> yeah. Especially if they've been drinking or they're kids. Kids will yeah. never sit back down. Oh, oh, I love the kids though. They're yeah. so cute. Yeah. Dodging kids. That, that's always fun though. <laughs> Essential skill for a restaurant dancer. How to uh, dodge yeah. the kids. Trace trays of food and kids yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that energy level going up and down is something that we like to refer to in rock the routine as the routine roller coaster and it's a way of manipulating the feelings of your audience for their own good uh, and for your own benefit too and what what is that benefit like what does playing with the audience's emotions in this way like how does it improve their enjoyment of the set as a whole? Well, first of all, uh, if, if you think about it, if you go out and you've, I don't, I haven't seen this, but if you mm -hmm. watch a dancer do the same thing at the same amplitude or energy level for 20 or 30 minutes, can you imagine how boring that would be? Well, and you'd be exhausted, like just watching well, somebody work that hard that long. Yeah. Oh, or what? Or worse, what if it was just like a medium amplitude or a oh yeah, kind of oh god, you'd be asleep. Um, so it it is a way to create texture and diversity in your in the feeling of your dance, different moods, um, different characters in the sections of your dance. So it kind of it it kind of makes you an actress of sorts, um, and it gives uh, it keeps the dancer engaged too. It it. It, uh, you know, gives you an opportunity to feel different things during your performance, during your show. I like that because we, we talk about imbuing feeling into our dance a lot. I think especially once you get past the beginner level of belly dance, we talk a lot about Im imbuing movements with feeling. But this almost imbues your whole dance with feelings. Like you get to play with like a whole nother sense in the course of your dance, just like you would never want to do the whole set on one level, right? You want to do level changes. You want to come up on your toes. You want to go down a little bit. You want to play with the height. Now you're also playing with the speed and the feelings that come with it. Right. Yeah. Well. It makes a big difference. That's super cool. 
where do you normally see routines now? Like in the past, but also in the current day, like where does the routine kind of fit into the spectra of performance in the belly dance world? Well, I think most often you're going to find that in a restaurant setting where there's a house dancer or guest dancers and they come in and they do the full routine and it can either be, uh, maybe more often these days it's with recorded music. Uh, but there are still a number of venues around the country that have live music, uh, and what a treat that is. Um, I think some areas of the country probably have more of those opportunities than others. And uh, uh, it's my understanding that back in the, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, there were clubs everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we've lost so much of that, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's just, I think I would have loved to have been a, a professional dancer during that time mm-hmm. so that I could have had the opportunity to avail myself of more live music opportunities. There's nothing better than live music. Completely agree. It's a totally different feel. Yeah. It's a give and take. It's alive. It's the whole thing is alive. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's easier. Like I was just saying, imbuing feelings into your dance. It's so much easier to do that with live music because you're so much more present. Yeah. Because you have to be like, you have no choice but to be present when there's live music because who knows what's going to happen next. Exactly. (laughs) But that's what makes it, you know, makes it more fun for the dancer and the audience and the musicians too. You know, they're, they're all playing off of each other and, um, you know, hopefully everybody gets along and (laughs) that's, and then then if you don't, you get to put that right into your dance too, right? Makes it even more fun. (laughs) I I suppose so. That's never happened to me. Thank goodness. And I I haven't heard it. (laughs) I haven't heard of that happening very often with people that they, I've, I have one of our contributors, I think did do a set once where she was like play fighting with the, with the live musicians. <laughs> I seem to remember that being a thing. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of it like legit happening. So it is sad that that's gone, but I think that what we can do is, is do the best we can. Right. And if the best we can do is recorded music, then that's the best we can do. And practicing to that will help you. If you ever do get the chance to get in front of live musicians, at least you'll have yes. a knowledge of the routine. So that you Absolutely. can jump into it. So for dancers that maybe aren't dancing in restaurants in the place where this would be most common, why should they still practice this? Why should it still be part of their, you know, that mental list of things that you're thinking, okay, I'd like to be able to do this. I'd like to be able to do this. Why should the routine be on that well, list? I think, oh, absolutely. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, if, if for no other reason... When we practice, we tend to practice things that we're strong at or that we're good at. Yes. Yeah, we don't, um, we may set out to practice things that, you know, kind of, we kind of think we suck at. Um, And let's face it, we all suck at everything the first few times we do it. um, And that's okay. Yep. (laughs) So uh, it, it gives you an opportunity to grow your repertoire of different kinds of movement with music and you know, like I said before, different moods and characters. Um, even if you're just taking it, uh, you know, a, one section at a time. I mean, I don't think it, most people set out to, you know, go to their practice session and say, okay, I'm going to practice the, you know, the 25 or 30 minute routine or whatever it is. We don't generally do that unless it, I don't generally do that unless I'm getting ready to perform that um, at an event coming up. 
Um, so what I would normally do is just take a section at a time. Um, and you can do this in practice, just even if you don't do uh, full routine gigs. Take a section. Um, make up a playlist, uh, different playlists for each section of the, the full routine. And, you know, as you're, I don't know, I, I lay in bed at night with my iPad <laughs> <laughs> with the iTunes on and I'll be listening to music and I'll, you know how you can like put it into a, a put it into yeah. playlists from yeah. there. I do that because you know, during the day I'm up and I'm doing, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, and I don't, I'm not mentally able to just be present and listen to music because it's like when I go to a yoga class, I can't, I can't be there because I, I can't do the meditation because I'm thinking about all the things I need to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Same thing with music. I, I want to just listen to music when it's quiet. And so I'll put those things into the playlists and then I've got these whole playlists of these different songs. Um, and it can be things that I've just heard the one time when I was laying in bed and putting it into the playlist. Um, but then when I put the playlist on and start practicing, it's kind of like, it's, it's like improvisation because I probably only heard the song that one time and maybe I didn't even listen to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I just heard it. I was like, Ooh, this would be good for this. And I put it over. So I have this improvisation that I can do with these playlists. Um, and then as I go through them more and more and more and get more comfortable with them, um, I can put those into other playlists that that I can um, make mix and match and make a puzzle out of a routine mm -hmm. to draw from. That way, it keeps that so much more exciting. You know, you don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you you know you need to take a section or two out of the full routine to adapt it to a, a retirement community show or something like that where they're not, you know, I'm not going to go in there blazing with zills, you know, with a bunch <laughs> of hearing aids around. Um, so, you know, I'd take, I might take something like that out. Um, but anyway, so yeah. did I answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. You did. And I think one thing that is really interesting about the routine and having it be all these different parts, even if you're not planning on performing the routine, right? You don't do restaurant gigs. You don't do parties. It's not your thing. It gives you a structure to practice. And whenever you have a structure to your practice, it's easier to practice. Yeah. And so you can practice the toxim. You can practice the drum solo part. You can practice the ending. You can practice the beginning. And so you get all these different feelings, like you were saying, in all these different parts, and it structures your practice. Do you think is super important for people who are just coming at it and they're like, I have no idea what to do when I get my butt on the dance floor. Exactly. Cause you know, you, we, we, um, we talk about this, um, in another program that we, that, that belly dance geek has the sustainable practice habit, having a menu of things. Well, the full routine kind of gives you a whole menu of things to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're a little more general than, specific movements or, you know, combinations or something like that, but it's a thing. It gives you a, a starting place. Yeah. And it informs the moves and stuff for each one as well. Exactly. You know? So that like you can drill down into it too. And something else that you mentioned as well that I really like is the idea of just sticking your songs like in playlists according to a routine, right? What tempo is this? Is this a drum solo? Is it a toxim? Is it a entrance piece? Is it an outro piece? Because I know for me, when I do have to perform, when I do get that restaurant gig and I have to suddenly make a set, I am a like a mess. <laughs> I'm like, what do I put where, what song? But if like, if they were already organized into these kind of like tempo buckets, 
suddenly it's way easier True to move forward. True story. And even for your practice too, because then you're like, oh, I'm going to do this level today or this level today. So I like, I like both of those as, as options, good reasons in your practice. Yeah, because how many times, uh, and I know you've mentioned this before, and I think it happens to everybody. I'm guilty. How many times do you set out to practice and you sit down or, you know, you start to practice and you're like, I, I, this happens to me. I'm like, oh, I don't like this song. So I go oh, yeah. looking at music and that lasts for, you know, however long. And then, oh, I don't know what to do with this. You know, this, I, I don't have any ideas. I need inspiration. So then you sit down in front of YouTube and every single one of you at home right now should be raising your hands. Yeah. She is and speaking then, the truth. <laughs> yeah. And then pretty soon an hour and a half is gone and you didn't get anything done. Yeah. You've practiced yeah. barely at all. You've got some inspiration or you've got a new playlist or whatever you other, otherwise accomplished. But the actual practicing part, yeah. Yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah. That's another reason I like to listen to music at night before I go to bed mm-hmm. because um, things are quiet. And, and frankly, I mean, I live, eat, sleep, drink, belly dance all the time. Um, so why shouldn't I do the same thing in my sleep? (laughs) (laughs) So I might wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning or sometimes earlier and, uh, you know, just have an epiphany, um, of some sort of inspiration or, oh, that's how I could do that. You know, that sort of thing. So that is a great tip for music because I think, listening to music and putting it into playlists and things is something that a lot of people struggle with. Like they end up with this just giant kind of like pile of music with no really direction on what to do with it or, you know, how to organize it. I think that that's a a common sticking point. And I think that's why when people are trying to practice and then that happens, that's the thing that tends like, that's one of the things that sucks us in. (laughs) <laughs> because we all have the pile of music that we don't haven't quite listened to, don't quite know what to do with. Like, oh, well, let me find another song and I'll just dig through the pile looking for the needle in the haystack. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I have got a pile of music. I, I probably have, I don't even know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of songs that I've never oh. even heard before. Yep. But you know what that's really good for is you put your stuff on shuffle and you can do improv. You can whip that out. That's true. <laughs> you haven't heard it before. You are you have your your built-in improv playlist. Exactly. It's called my entire library. <laughs> <laughs> so then Heather, other than kind of putting your music into buckets at night, how do you personally kind of practice the routine in your personal practice? Um well, if I was going to practice the the full routine, I would most days I don't, I, I, you know, I don't practice the entire full routine. So it would take a section at a time um, and, you know, make that my, depending on how much time I've got, uh, but definitely a section at a, at a time. And, you know, I, I think I, I mentioned this before. If I, I practicing the full routine is a, a helpful thing to do for a few reasons. Um, one especially if you have an event coming up, you definitely want to run through the whole thing um, from the beginning to the end. But it also helps your uh, your um, endurance, you know, because it takes a Truth. lot <laughs> to dance, uh, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Um, I always love these requests that come in, you know, can you dance for an hour? Uh, you know, we all, we all heard that nope. stuff before. Um, and, but you know what, you, you probably heard this back in the day, the old days, 
the full routine was like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, but they had costume changes. You know, the band would play, they'd dance, they'd go off, they'd cost, you know, take, have another costume change, come back. Um, there might be two uh, two or three costume changes. But anyway, I, I, you can take that from one end of the spectrum to the other, one section at a time and the full routine on the other sec, uh, the other end of the spectrum. And you can also do two sections at a time, you know, mm -hmm. if you got just, and then just start stacking them up together like that. So you build your endurance. Um, and this is totally out of the scope of this subject, but, uh, cross training, um, cardiovascular exercise, a little Preach. bit of, you know, Push a little bit of uh, little hand weights around because it's so helpful to, for this. Yes, cross training. Everybody who knows me knows that this is one of my soapboxes. <laughs> we should it's, be cross training. It's really hard to so be much. a great dancer when you only dance. Not to say that dance, I mean, we all know that it's very um, uh, physically intensive, but we do the same thing over and over again. Um, and Unless you are actively working on carriage and shoulders and arms and stuff like that, uh, those are the things for me that can just kind of like sink forward and get a little bit droopy mm -hmm. if I if I don't take a little bit of extra care and um, pick up some hand weights now and then. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's my ankles. I sprained an ankle several years ago dancing, and when I went to PT like five years after the sprain because it was still hurting the guy was like, your ankles aren't strong enough to be doing what you're doing. And it's like, how is that possible? I dance all the time. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not enough. So like now I have to consciously work on strengthening my ankles so that I can support my dance. And I think so many of us have little bits and pieces of, of our dance that could so be improved by just a little bit of cross training here and there, but I'll, I'll get off the soapbox for today. <laughs> um, so the Belly Dance Geek has an entire course on the routine called Rock the Routine. And can you, I'm sure it teaches you about the different parts of the routine. Does it have practice prompts? Like how does it kind of guide you through learning all of this knowledge about a routine? Uh, well, it's a, just an overall view of it. It's a 47-day um, email course that is delivered to um, a dancer's email inbox and we start at the end and we move backwards and there are uh, some in-depth tips in there about um, we learn about the structure the routine I, I've talked a lot about the stuff that's uh, that we go over um, why we want to use the roller coaster the, the, the routine roller coaster so we're just getting really in-depth on all these yes. different parts of the routine, helping yeah, people pick out the music. We are basically peeling the onion, and um, there's a lot of layers in this onion. Yeah. And, you know, I can give you – I've given you the overview. Um, uh, there's uh, some really, really great music suggestions. There's a, there's a lot of resources in the program that can guide a dancer – towards, okay, these are the things that you, the kinds of things to look for so that you can take these resources and then expand out and find other music selections that, that match up, you know, to the kinds of music that we suggest. Uh, Cause you know, there's, there's, there are, I don't want to say there are not rules for dance, you know, everybody, and if there were, everybody's always, always breaking them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important that before you break those rules, that you learn and uh, experience 
where it started. Yes. You know, you, <laughs> you, you, people need to have some history. We need to have our history and know where this all came from before we start, you know, branch it off into all sorts of different directions and, and cutting it up into pieces, cutting it up, calling it our style and not really knowing where it came from. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll just leave yeah. that there. <laughs> this is, this is Heather's soapbox. I can see it on her face. So it's, it's an exercise, not only in your practice, not only in putting together your music in, in a way that plays with the texture, but it's also an exercise guys in history of the dance and where it kind of came from. And I think that that's, I agree with Heather. That's super important. That's one of the reasons that I push so hard to have historical parts of the bundle, to have lectures and things about about this because it's not just about the dance. It's not just about how you move your body. It's also about where it came from. Yeah, and also you you touched on the history um, as part of the Rock the Routine. Um, course that we're including in the bundle. Um, it's the premium package. So it is, there is history in there. Um, so there's excited. an excellent, excellent um, access to uh, a Yasmin Hinkesh um, podcast that's just really goes into depth about the Egyptian routine. Back in the day, uh, there are Q&A calls, but they're, they are recorded from previous. But there's a lot of really great questions and answers in there that are going to be very helpful to, the, to um, the bundle participants, too. So, That's awesome. I cannot wait to jump into this course, guys. I'm super excited. Um, so the Belly Dance Geeks Rock the Routine will be part of the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle. Uh, and other than that, Heather, where can people find more of your work? Uh, well, bellydancegeek.com is the clearinghouse for all sorts of geeky stuff <laughs> with Belly Dance Geek. There's, there's all sorts of stuff to find on there. Uh, lots of free resources as well as courses. I mean, I've got local stuff going on, but that's over here in the Pacific Northwest. And If you're in the Pacific Northwest, guys, definitely check out Heather because she's a joy. Ah, uh, thank you very much. As are you. I appreciate you. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening today. Heather, thank you so much for joining me on this Belly Dance Bundle Mini. And I cannot wait to take this course as part of the 2019 Bundle. Thank you. We've been talking a lot this year about knowing your history. And one of my favorite parts of this discussion on the routine is that it serves up a little bit of everything. It gives you a structure for your practice, it gives you options on sorting your music to make your life and practice easier, and it serves up knowledge on the history of our dance form. Now, that's the kind of thing that I love to incorporate, something that helps in a whole bunch of areas all at the same time. If you're interested in learning more about the routine, you can check out the Rock the Routine course, which is part of the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle, which goes on sale in just two days. It's one of 22 amazing resources that can help you build and maintain a personal practice. If you loved Heather's energy and want to learn more, you can visit our show notes page at thebellydancebundle.com 19 for links to all the places you can hang out with her and see the Belly Dance Geeks courses online. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Just search for Yalla Rocks, Y-A-L-L-A-H-R-A-Q-S. Don't see us? Email me at hello at thebellydancebundle.com and I'll do what I can to make a show up on that platform. 
And if you've really been enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review at thebellydancebundle.com slash review. It helps more people find the show, and I would very much appreciate it. If you do find yourself wanting more and haven't listened to Charizard's episode on the podcast yet, you'll be wanting to do that next, especially if you liked the part about sorting your music. Between these two episodes, you'll have a great place to get started with organizing your library. Because if yours is anything like mine, it probably couldn't hurt. So it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Today, I'm going to leave you with permission to go and work on your music library. But make sure it's an intentional choice and not something you're doing to either avoid practicing or because you don't know what to practice. Do it with intention. That's when it becomes the most valuable. Music